So, Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Lord, in a time of uncertainty, we thank you that we can turn to your Word. We can turn to Scripture. We thank you that there is an inerrant, inspired book on how to do life. And I thank you for the truth that is in these 1,500 pages, give or take. And I ask that you would open your word tonight, Lord, and that you would release truth and that those who are tuning in live or those who hear this recording would experience a fresh inspiration, a fresh impartation from your very word by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that, that through this time of teaching, the saints would be encouraged I pray for those tuning in that you would release encouragement, Lord, that no one would draw back because of weariness, but this would be a time where there's a a sense of your strength filling hearts and minds. I pray for those who have become weary and discouraged. I'm asking for your uh, encouragement tonight. I pray for those who are not feeling well. I ask for healing to come. In the name of Jesus. Before I get into the teaching, I just want to say, if, if you want to reach out to me or my wife for any reason, I'm on my phone every day talking to people, and we're never bothered by a phone call. If, you know, we've got five kids, so usually we can't pick up right away, but if you want to talk or uh, there's something on your heart, um, you know, text or call or email. We would try to get back to people right away. And uh, a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. So don't just disappear and not talk to anybody for months and months. It's so important to stay connected to people. And if you want to chat with me or my wife, just let me know. Okay, well, we're on part two of our angel series. I hope you were able to tune in for part one or listen to the recording. If not, it's out on the website. The notes are there. Uh, This is part two, so we're going to get into a little bit more detail. Part one was kind of an introduction and some warnings on how to approach the subject of angels properly and biblically. Now, this is going to get a little more detailed, and each week we're going to dive into some more detailed questions and uh, truths related to angels. Again, uh, these notes are available right now on our website. I'm just reading off of them. And uh, I do this so that you can study on your own time. Also, want to continue to plug Dr. David Jeremiah's book called Angels is the main book I'm using as we go through this series. Great book. And really well written. He makes a, a subject uh, that's unique, very fun, and engaging. I really want to encourage you to get that if this series really speaks to you. Angels are a created class of spiritual beings. They're created. They have not existed forever. They've been created one of the days of creation. God made them, and they're spiritual. They're very intelligent. They're real. That's the point I'm making. They're very real. They're not just on a Hallmark card. They actually exist. And they're moral. They're intelligent. 
They are not physical in the, in the sense that we are physical, but they at times throughout Scripture take on bodily form. This is under introductory material in my notes. Angels serve and worship God. That's what they do. They don't vacillate, uh, man, I don't know if I want to go do the will of God today. They are highly energized to do the will of God and to worship God, and they have an access to him that is uh, something that we, we, we can't fully appreciate right now because we can't see God like they do. Now, we're going to get into this a little bit more in the next few weeks, but the, the story goes that all angels started good. Every single angel that God created was good, and at some point in time, the angel, uh, Lucifer, the devil, uh, decided to rebel. And there's not tons and tons of scripture on this, but there is some, and so we want to take it seriously. Lucifer, uh, Satan, fell and took angels with him. That's, that's the story. The Kind of the typical understanding is that a third of the angels fell away and that two-third of them did not. And, and a lot of people would point to Revelation 12, 4, uh, a third of the stars in relation to the dragon, which is Satan. So we know there's more good angels than bad angels. And... And again, we'll talk about this in future weeks, but this is a permanent situation. So as of right now, we have two-thirds of the angels are good, one-third are bad, and they can't change. They can't, like, bad angels can't repent and become good. This is a permanent, fixed situation. Again, we'll dive into that more. Good angels can't become, or bad angels can't get good, and good can't become bad. It's fixed right now. We, we nowhere in the Bible know how old angels are. Uh, there, there's nowhere in the Bible that says, you know, Michael is 57 or 1,057, so we don't really care about that, although that'd be interesting to find out one day in heaven. We don't, uh, we don't know uh, about their ages or even genders. There's not... Uh, there's not an indication that uh, there are uh, female angels. Maybe there are, but the Bible doesn't say it. And so we just go with what the scriptures tell us. And Jesus says they don't marry. So they're, they're unmarried, spiritual created beings. They just do the will of God. We know in uh, Daniel 9.21, they fly, but they don't necessarily have wings. Some of them do but we should not assume that all of them do. Now, if you, you know, look at paintings or art, you know, pretty much angels always have wings, but in the Bible, some do, as we'll see here in our teaching tonight, but perhaps many don't. Uh, they can appear in various ways, and in Hebrews, we're told that angels can sometimes interact with us, and we don't even know they're angels. The, the author of Hebrews says, make sure you are hospitable to people, could be an angel. And so they have the ability to dial their glory level down, just like Jesus did, 
and we may not even know they're an angel, but if they, if they come in their full power and might, it blows people over and they tremble in fear. That's what often happened in the Bible. They are at times in the Bible described uh, with great power. Uh, sometimes they're not. And so it, there may be different levels of power among angels. Anyway, this is all introduction on what angels are like from exactly what the Bible says or doesn't say. And uh, so let's move down to letter B. Letter B says, uh, there are a number of different names for angels, or terms, I'm sorry, uh, terms or titles for angels. Caleb, can you check in real quick just to make sure we're good online there? Just want to make sure we're not dropping off or anything. Okay, awesome. The Bible uses a number of terms for angels. Uh, there are many in Scripture. So, so when you're reading the Bible, sometimes you're actually reading about an angel and you're not sure it's an angel because, uh, for instance, in Job, Job 1, 6, and 2, I mean, there's many references to angels in Job, but Job, in Job they're referred to as the sons of God. In many places in Scripture, they'll be called sons of God. Uh, also in the Psalms and other places, they're called holy ones. They're also called saints or hosts. Uh, saints refer to Christians throughout the Bible, but also can refer to angels. So holy ones, saints, hosts, sons of God, spirits. In uh, Hebrews 1.14, they're called ministering spirits that minister to people that are going to inherit salvation. Uh, in Daniel, they're called watchers which is a very interesting title because we know in the New Testament it says they long to look into certain things. So there's this picture of angels they watch because they're longing, because they, they are not saved like we're saved. So there's this divine curiosity they have, I believe, that they kind of peer into situations wondering things. Now, they're not all-knowing like God. They do what God says. But in Daniel, they're called watchers. In Colossians, it gets very unique because in Colossians 1.16, there's a number of titles, and those titles refer to a hierarchy, most likely, a hierarchy of power among angels, good and bad angels. So there's thrones, dominions, principalities and rulers, powers and authorities. These are referring to, from what I understand from Scripture, different levels or different hierarchies of the angelic. We'll see throughout these teachings there are prince angels that are over other angels. There are, um, in my understanding, uh, a, a range of responsibilities. Some angels are over vast numbers of angels and others uh, maybe just lower on the pecking order. Uh, but again, you stick with what Scripture says. Now, someone watching or listening to the recording may think, Derek, yeah, cool angels, but why spend time? Well, I went through that in part one. So if you haven't heard part one, go through part one. But I was reminded recently of Colossians 3.2. 
Colossians 3.2, Paul's writing to the Colossians and he says, brothers and sisters, make sure you set your mind on things above. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the things of this world. You've got to hold the mic up a little bit so my I got a little light sensor telling me if it's coming through Facebook clear. So anyway, back to the notes. We, we must uh, set our mind on things above. What that means is things of heaven. It's so easy to look around the earth and go, oh, there's a virus, and oh, what my 401k, and oh, a conspiracy, oh, this. And Paul's like, get your mind on things above, such as God, such as heaven, such as eternity, the holy angels, look at them. They're, they're looking at me. And put your mind up there, and that will actually help you interpret the things of the earth much more biblically, much more accurately. And so one of the reasons I'm, I'm doing this is we're focusing on these beings that are above us, that are set in heavenly places. And as we think about them and study them, our mind shifts to the heavenly realm, not just the earthly that we see with our eyes and can feel with our senses. There's a whole lot more going on just north of us. And so we have to, we, we can't be indifferent to it just because we can't see it. And that's part of renewing our mind. Paul's saying, no, no, you can't just worry about just your little life. There's so much more going on up in heaven, in the throne room, in the heavenly realms, where these powers and principalities and angelic princes and demonic fallen angels, there's a whole reality that's beyond our view. Sometimes we get the privilege of seeing it a little bit, and, and, and men and women throughout Scripture were given that privilege at times. But as we can see it in Scripture, it just helps us lift our perspective. That, and that's my exhortation in this time is, friends, we need to get our minds set on things above because there's so much more than just a, a virus and, a, oh, when am I going to get to do normal life again? And, oh, when's it going to be normal? And, oh, when's my 401k going to kick back up there? We're dealing with eternity. I mean, we're dealing with God. I mean, this there is such bigger stuff happening. And so, again, it's a good time in general just to think about what, what's our ultimate priority. And, and it's, it's a good time to just put our mind back up there, things above. Now, let's go down to number two. Different kinds of angels. There's the, what I'm going to call the standard angel, although that sounds kind of weird to say that. There's the standard angel that just kind of appears throughout the Bible. And, and we're talking about that mostly through the series. But I'm going to highlight three other categories just, just to make sure we hear about them. But if you use the broad definition of angel... Because someone might say, well, that's not an angel. Well, if you use the broad definition of a non-physical spiritual being in, in heaven, 
then these fit. But there's, again, not just the standard angel appeared at the tomb and said, Mary, I'm an angel. Go tell everybody Jesus is alive. You know, that's kind of your standard angel. And, and again, I'm not going to highlight that here under number two because we're going to talk about that the whole series. But aside from that, there's an angelic being called cherubim, which is a plural word for cherub. The cherubim are uh, show up really early in the Bible narrative. When Adam and Eve sinned, and God says, uh, you know, I can't, I can't let them get back to the tree of life, so I'm going to appoint cherubim and this flaming sword to guard that path back to the tree of life. So they show up early and a couple other times in Scripture. Uh, the Ark of the Testimony had golden cherubim put on top of it. And God said that he would meet with his people above the mercy seat between the two cherubim. And so that is a, a real type of angel. There's also, uh, similar to the cherubim, there's a seraphim. What's interesting about the seraphim is that they're mentioned once in the entire Bible. One time in the entire Bible, we see Isaiah talk about the seraphim. It, again, it makes you wonder how many kinds are there, you know, but we just, again, we stick with what the Bible says. It's very prudent. If the Bible mentions it, we go with it. If it doesn't, we just will find out in heaven. The seraphim are interesting. They're, they're, uh, it's a plural for the name uh, seraph, which means burning. And I was reading today, I'm going through uh, this book by Dr. David Jeremiah on angels. And uh, man, he... he talks about these seraphim and it just kind of makes you want to go just see what it's really like up there but he wrote a uh, he wrote a line that says the seraphim dwell so close to the presence of God that they burn with holy brilliance they are mentioned by name in only one passage in the Bible but what an awesome scene it is Let's return again to the vision where Isaiah sees God on his throne and hears voices around him crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That's Isaiah 6, 1 to 4. Isaiah says these are seraphs who sound that continual praise. He describes them as having six wings. With two wings, they cover their faces in reverence. This reminds us of God's majestic glory. The Bible says no man has ever seen God and lived, and even these angels protect themselves from the brilliance of God's glory when they're in his presence. Now, Dr. David Jeremiah quotes Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry says, The angels' faces doubtless are much fairer than those of the children of men, yet in the presence of God they cover them because they cannot bear the dazzling luster of the divine glory. And because being conscious of an infinite distance from the divine perfection, they are ashamed to show their faces before the holy God. Unbelievable. Isaiah notices also that with two other wings, the seraphs cover their feet 
This speaks of their humility and their reverence and waiting on God for his next directions. With their other two wings, the seraphs fly. These two wings propel them with speed to do whatever God calls them to do. Notice the proportion. Four wings for worship and only two for work. Twice as much attention to being in God's presence as compared compared to carrying out other responsibilities. It seems like today we often reverse this ratio. We would do well to be more like the seraphim. Incredible. Wanted to read that about the seraphim. Again, mentioned only once in the Bible. Then there's the living creatures. The Bible calls them creatures. They're created like the angels, so we put them in the angelic category. Excuse me. The the living creatures are some of the most fascinating beings in all of the Bible. They're mentioned in Ezekiel 1 and Revelation 4. What's unique about the living creatures, uh, the the four living creatures, is they they have these uh, four likenesses about them. When Ezekiel sees them and John sees them, they say that they're they're, uh, four-dimensional likenesses, and one of them is a, a lion, one's an ox, one's a man, and one's an eagle. And they are described as having wings and eyes all over them to look on the glory of God. I mean, I just can't imagine seeing a being that looks like this But it's there. It's there right now, worshiping the Lord. And so there's the standard angel throughout Scripture. Then we have cherubim, seraphim, and we have the living creatures. All worthy of looking into because when you study these angels, you end up in the throne. You end up looking at God and you just begin to go, Lord, you know, with the seraphim, they just really caught me. It's like they're so close to the Lord that they're burning with fire. And I just want to aspire to get close. It's like it's impossible. The closer you get, like the seraphim, you're set on fire for God. You just burn with a holy zeal and just the, the sinful things of this earth just don't make sense anymore. I mean, I think of the cherubim. I think of the seraphim, the living creatures. They're, they're just fascinated. They're, they're just absolutely awestruck, burning with zeal. And it's like, if that's what they get out of their worship, I want that. Now, with all that talk about the different kinds of angels, let's talk about the different names of angels. Caleb, we doing okay out there? We still live? Okay, there's a, there's a number. Uh, um, are we good, doing good here on the, the sound? Yep, okay, we're doing good. In, in the entire Bible, there are only two names of angels given. Now, there's probably as many names as angels, and we know that the number of angels we looked at last week is myriads of myriads, and endless sea of angels is worshiping in the book of Revelation, and all of them have a name. But we only see Michael and Gabriel 
in the whole Bible are the, the only angels that are named. Now, many more angels appear. Many more angels do various things. And we see a lot of different things they do, but only Michael and Gabriel are called out by name in Scripture. So we have in Jude 9 and Revelation 12, 7 to 8, Daniel 10, 13 to 21, we see Michael show up. In Daniel 8, 16, 9, 21, and Luke 1, 26 to 27, we see Gabriel show up. And so I just think that's interesting that of all the angels out there, uh, Gabriel and Michael are the only two mentioned. They usually only show up in very important situations. And uh, the birth of Christ, Daniel's visions, etc., uh, in the book of Revelation. And so their involvement in certain things is to be taken with the utmost seriousness. And uh, so it's like when God sends the angel, angel Michael and Gabriel, you know, pay attention to that scripture. Now what's interesting, this is down to letter C, what's interesting about mentioning Michael and Gabriel is that takes us to the conversation of the ranking of angels. Because in Daniel 10, Michael is referred to, and this is in Jude 9, Jude verse 9, Daniel 10, 13, Michael is called an archangel or a chief prince. And so that leads us, that and a couple other things, leads us to believe that he's a very high-ranking angel that is over other angels. And I, I think the logic would follow very sensibly that the fallen angels have a, have a hierarchy commensurate to what they were before they fell. And so a number of angels who fell, there's still a hierarchy, and yet it's used for the kingdom of darkness. And uh, But what I want to say about that, although it's, it's significant to, to acknowledge that there is likely a hierarchy, there have been people that have throughout history gone way off course studying into this very topic. Uh, one of them would be uh, a gentleman, a scholar by the name of Dionysius, he wrote a work called Celestial Hierarchy long ago, and, and he wrote in detail about what this angelic various levels of angels may have looked like. And then Thomas Aquinas actually picked up on it in the 13th century, and they both wrote about it quite extensively. And, uh, and, and yet, I'm going to side here with Brother Calvin. John Calvin commented on this sort of angelology, and he called it vain babblings. He called Dionysius' work specifically the celestial hierarchy. Although it's fun to think about, you can't say it with biblical certainty that it's like how he's saying it. So he called it vain babblings and superfluous speculations, which I'm in full agreement with. Uh, 
There's a couple verses indicating that there's powerful angels and angels that are under that angel. And, and certainly that's true of the demonic as well. And yet we don't go off course kind of studying into something that's just conjecture. And so I just want to mention that whenever the Bible is silent or gives us minimal detail, we just stick with the minimal detail and we say that that's what it is. We have to resist this temptation to go into conjecture and much, much more resist the elaborate conjecture which this work, Celestial Hierarchy, and, and some of the things written by Thomas Aquinas regarding angels. Uh, I think you can read about it and just know it, but again, it's not scriptural. But it's worth mentioning again because the Bible does mention, uh, you know, this angel is an archangel, this is a chief prince. In fact, in, in Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says that Jesus is going to return at the sound of an archangel. And so one of the higher order of angels is going to say, it's time and boom, we're going to get that show on the road. Now let's go down to letter D, angelic warfare. This kind of coincides with angelic ranking. There's interesting battles in Scripture involving Satan and his fallen angels, demons, and good angels. There's a, there's a couple times in Scripture where they actually fight. And so that's, you know, when we hear the term warfare... You know, some people will say, I've got a headache, warfare, or I'm having a bad Monday, warfare. Warfare, specifically, biblically, is, is referring to what's happening in the heavenly realm between angelic entities, which our prayers and our devotion and our fasting and the way we live affects that. And so we want to... We want to have real sound theology regarding warfare. It's real. But man, you spend a few years in charismatic Pentecostal world, which that's my people. I love I love tongue speaking, the Holy Spirit, baptism. That's my that's my people. And whether you're in that stream or this stream or that stream, I mean this the angels and demons are real no matter what you believe, but we just can't call everything warfare, okay? We, there is real warfare, and it's between angels in the heavenly uh, realm, and I believe it plays out on earth, of course. But the way we engage is through prayer and fasting because that's the way in the Bible we're given those examples in the Bible. For example, we see in Revelation 12, 7 to 8, we see Michael and his angels fighting Satan and his angels. In Daniel 10, 13, by the way, the more we talk about angels, you're going to hear Revelation and Daniel all the time, and uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel as well. Some of the books of the Bible have more prominent angelic activity. We're told in Daniel 10, 13, there was an angelic figure that says this to Daniel. He actually says this in Daniel 13. 
He said, I, from day one, when you started praying, Daniel, God sent me, but I got held up because of the demonic prince over Persia stopped me. And I had to have Michael come and help me to get me loose to get down to you to tell you this information, which is a truly extraordinary set of events. And so it was a 21-day period that coincided with Daniel's 21 days of prayer and fasting that it took for the angel Michael to set this other angelic being free to get to Daniel. I mean, just think about that. That's incredible. And so once again, we see the picture of a man praying and fasting and a war in the heavens and a breakthrough of revelation. Some of the most significant Bible knowledge that we have in all of Scripture was given to Daniel because he just prayed and fasted. Makes me want to be more like Daniel. And we want to be like Daniel because Daniel points us to the greater Daniel, Jesus. People throughout Scripture that were devout, they make us want to be like the greatest man ever. And so don't get nervous by saying, I want to be like Daniel. No, I want to be like Jesus. But there's men whose lives really point to that. Again, I want to highlight this. Angelic warfare, it's real. And there's a very clear relationship. Your prayers, your skipping a meal, your season of devotion, it does something in the unseen realm. Our weak little life of, Lord, touch Sally, I'm going to skip breakfast because I feel the burden, that does stuff that's more real than we can even know. So don't ever give up on your life of devotion. There, there's some, I mean, there's no way Daniel could have known his little season of a few weeks of just eating some vegetables, you know, nothing really extraordinary. He didn't have any ice cream or McDonald's for three weeks, probably. And and he could have had no clue that over him were these warring chief princes because there was a serious amount of revelation that was coming. But just like with Daniel, that could be true of your life as well and mine. And so we... We really just, we ask for the grace to continue in our life of prayer and devotion, even in a unique time like this. Okay, let's go down to letter E. Let's talk about the the topic of guardian angels. And I've just got a few more things to highlight, and then we'll check to see if there's any comments. Guardian angels are really... um, Everybody likes to talk about guardian angels, very popular topic. And what I want to say about guardian angels is is the the how, how do you say this? The Bible's very clear that God sends angels to protect us. That's clear throughout scripture and we're going to get into next week a little more of what angels do specifically. But the Psalm 91, 9 through 13, Hebrews 1, 14, and on and on. There's many scriptures where it's clear God sends angels to protect us. Now, is it true that we all have guardian angels, like one specific angel assigned to us for our life or 
for a period of time or maybe multiple angels. That's not explicitly stated in Scripture. And so I don't want to devastate somebody by saying they're not real because they could be. But I would, I would just shift the conversation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, yeah, little Timmy, you have a guardian angel with you your whole life. I would just tell people, look, Scripture promises that God will uh, keep us with angels. We have a responsibility to live devout. But there is a, a very real angelic protection, but maybe it's many of them working tag team. I, I, it's just, it's not possible to say based on verses that we all have, you know, the angel Gabriel watching over me at all times or the angel Michael. Um, it, it's just, you can't really say that. But I do believe that the Lord sends angels frequently to help us, to aid us, to protect us, to we avoid danger. And when we get to heaven, man, we're going to find out all the times that we just had no clue the angels were involved. Now, one of the classic scriptures that I think people get this idea of a guardian angel is Matthew 18.10, which is one of my favorite scriptures related to angels and just totally in general. In Matthew 18.10, Jesus is preaching uh, about uh, children and not causing them to fall into sin. And he has very, very serious words for the, for the big people. You know, the big kids, don't, 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 you know, don't mess up the little kids is kind of his point. And he says in Matthew 18.10, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So he's talking about kids, and he says, their angels see my Father. And I think the takeaway there is take kids seriously because God does. God takes them seriously enough to give them angels. Now, does that mean they have a permanent guardian angel for their whole life? I don't know. We do know that God looks over children in a special way and he gives them what I believe, I mean, I don't know if you call it extra protection, but there is a, throughout Scripture, a very clear precedent that God has a special love for kids. It doesn't mean he loves us less when we turn 18 or 21 or move out of the house. But there's something about kids that are so dear to the Lord that he indicates throughout Old and New Testament, they're very dear to him. And so he does protect them. He wants to make it very clear, you take kids serious because I take him serious enough to give him angels. The very angels that see me face to face, says God, they are protected by those angels. But again, we don't know if it's a lifelong thing. We don't know if there's, you know, one angel watches for a couple years and then another one. We, we just don't have that level of detail in Scripture, so we stay silent and we just acknowledge what's there. 
And so someone would say, Derek, so you don't believe in guardian angels? No, I believe angels watch over us. I believe they protect us. I just think the language can be a little misleading. And I've had, you know, spiritual leaders a long time ago when I was a kid just, you know, say, yeah, you know, just if you get real quiet and you think of a name, that's the name of your guardian angel. And so I believed it. But (laughs) we just can't do that kind of stuff as spiritual leaders. We have to say, here's what the Bible says. And I think it's actually more reassuring that we don't just have one guardian angel or two. We have all the hosts of heaven very interested in our life. And the Lord undoubtedly many times throughout life has protected us with these angels. In Psalm 91, I'm going to flip there real quick. Psalm 91 is a critical chapter basically saying if you purpose to live devout, if you purpose to live a life of devotion and prayer to the Lord, there's a serious amount of benefits. And one of them, one of them in Psalm 91, it says in Psalm 91, you who've made the Lord a refuge, even the most higher dwelling, which means you're making him the secret place. You're coming to him in prayer. You're, you're staying close to him kind of idea. It says, no evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, it doesn't mean we'll never get hurt. doesn't mean we won't die. Satan tried to use this on Jesus. It was the wrong verse for the wrong time. But certainly, as we purpose in our heart to live devoted to the Lord, he sends the angelic to guard us, to guide, to uh, not guide us, to, to guard us and to help us and to protect us. One more on that, I actually touched on this last week when Jesus was done with his temptation of uh, the enemy was tempting him. And after that uh, temptation, just checking on a light here, it, it says the angels came to minister to him. And if Jesus needed angels to minister him, how much more do we need the ministry of the angelic from time to time? Now, a couple last thoughts here before we wrap up. Letter F, it's the angel of the Lord. So we're different kinds of angels, angel names, angel ranking, angel warfare, guardian angels. Now we want to talk specifically about the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord This comes up a number of times in scripture. Angels are called, the angel of the Lord did this, the angel of the Lord did that. And so that's a very common phrase. But there are times when someone says, oh, the angel of the Lord, God's here. And so it's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. You just called an angel God. And so there is little a angel of the Lord all over But then there's seemingly capital A angel of the Lord. 
The, one of the verses I have written on the notes, Judges 6.22, Gideon says the angel of the Lord, Lord God, God's here. I've seen God. And so we just kind of go, wait a second. And uh, what I think is the most appropriate interpretation is, is that is what's considered a pre-incarnate epiphany of Jesus. And, and this may be a new idea to some of you, but this has much scholarly and theological backing. Most conservative scholars would, would say yes, that the angel of the Lord that's referred to as God, mostly in the Old Testament, is Jesus before he was incarnated, the pre-incarnate Christ. Of course, he's God, so he can do it every once. And so there's a number of angel experiences, you know, Genesis to Revelation, but at times it's not just an angel, it's the angel, the Lord of hosts himself, Jesus Christ. And so as you're reading scripture and you see an angel appears and then they go, whoa, wait, this is God. That's very likely Jesus in his pre-incarnate, because he was incarnated, he was made flesh in the Gospels, but year, you know, year two or three A.D. Before then, I mean, he's always existed. Before then, he was appearing here and there throughout Scripture. So that's, that's an interesting thing to mention on this subject of the angelic. Okay. So once again, that's the different kinds of angels, different characteristics of angels. And so next week, looking ahead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the origin the origin kind of story, how were they created, when, why did they fall, what's that whole story, and then what do they do specifically, what about demons, the fallen angels, there's so many questions that we're going to dive into, but wanted to be sure we got a little bit of a background on kinds of angels, just some different characteristics, some details, that that kind of thing. And then we're going to get into kind of the bigger story. And we could talk for probably a year if we went through every angel story because there's there's over 300 references to angels throughout Scripture. And so we're going to pick some of the main ones and just kind of go, what does that mean? That's crazy. I mean, an angel broke Peter out of a prison. Wow, and an angel appeared to Gideon. Wow, and it was God. So there's just a lot of neat things. So stay tuned. We're going to look at some of the origins, what they do. We're going to look at the fallen angels for a little bit. And so hopefully by the end of this series, we're going to get a well-rounded view of this subject of heaven's messengers, heavenly hosts, angels. Caleb, you want to check in for us, buddy, and just see if we got any uh, comments? If you have questions, let me know right now. And I'm going to actually check with you, Caleb. We might have to push a button. This button? Yeah. 
Okay, so we don't have any questions. If you do have any, just let me know. And uh, I can type in the answer, you know, during the week. Or if you have questions that you want me to study into for the next, you know, sermon uh, Friday upcoming, just let me know and I'll see if I can study into that. But we'll go ahead and just officially close tonight. Let me go ahead and pray. And so, Father, just thank you for all those who were able to tune in. And, Lord, I pray that my words uh, ultimately would lead people to the truth of your word, to not just greater understanding of angels, but the God of the angels. Lord, we want to understand these heavenly hosts, but more than that, we want to love the Lord of hosts. And so, Father, I just pray, even tonight, you would send forth your ministering spirits to all those who've tuned in, to those listening on the recording, and even all over our city, Lord. We're asking for your protective angels. We're praying that even as it says in Psalm 91, that you would bear us up and keep charge over us with your holy angels. God, I do pray once again that you would encourage your people and bless them in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to go ahead and end there. This sermon will be posted on Monday if you want to check it out. And again, the notes are there. So we'll see you next time. And Caleb, do you want to pray, buddy? He went downstairs. <laughs> see you next time, friends. Blessings. Blessings.